You are listening to Natural Magic, written and narrated by Molly Stretches. Chapter 8, Tilly. Breakfast the next morning consisted of more traditional Nefralian foods, namely a type of porridge made from rice and topped with shredded coconut, alongside a variety of fruits. When Tilly and Key arrived in the cafeteria, Ion and Miriam waved to them. Key paused, but Matt arrived a moment later, his crutch in one hand and his tray in the other, making a beeline for the table. Key sighed and followed her brother. Tilly saw that Matt's clothes looked pressed, but his face had the same look Tilly got whenever she transported from a grown-up to the frail. Trouble sleeping? Matt glanced at her, and then at Key. Tilly had noticed the previous night that Matt used Key as his sounding board if he could. She wasn't sure if this was because his shikbo was weak, or because he didn't much like talking in any language. When Key stared back at Matt, but said nothing, Tilly settled on the ladder. I sometimes don't sleep well in a new place. He spoke slowly, his tongue feeling out the syllables of what was surely an unfamiliar language. Based on his accent, Matt sounded like one of those students who had learned shikbo specifically because he had been accepted into Faraday. Did you dream about the fire? Key asked Matt softly in Jehu. Key had spoken to Matt and Jehu a couple of times the night before, and it baffled Tilly that the siblings didn't use the seizure, especially if they were trying to be private. Though classes at Faraday were taught in Shukbo, Jehu was a relatively common language in Nidian. Privacy might not have been the purpose, though, as Matt always responded in Shukbo. It was possible they had different linguistic strengths, which could have explained the difference Tilly noticed in their accents. Like many new speakers of a language, Matt mixed up his vowels, but his consonants tended to be clean and crisp. Key's accent was lighter, but completely different. She said her K's further back in her mouth, and her P's and B's often sounded the same. Instead of answering Key's question, Matt turned to the other girls and said, Is anyone else nervous about their first day? Miriam, already halfway through her porridge, swallowed and said, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but I haven't been to school since I was ten. Ayan choked on her juice. Really? Tilly touched a hand to her necklace. Well, I only started going to school last year. Ayan rolled her eyes. Of course not. You're rich. What does that mean? Ayan paused before answering, probably catching Miriam's defensive tone. In my experience... Wealthy kids don't go to public school. She pointed to Tilly. And her mother is Melody Nightwind. Who's Melody Nightwind? This time, Tilly answered Miriam's question. She should have known Ion had guessed her parentage from the moment they met. She's an agronomic diplomat. She's been on a frail's council of races twice. Matt interrupted the conversation by nudging his hand upward as if they were already in class. What's the council of races? It's the Nefralian King's Advisory Council. The point is, my mom's really important in the Sprite community. Since Dad's a diplomat too, I spent a lot of my time traveling with them, so me and my siblings were privately tutored. I had to convince them to let me go to a real school last year. I was privately tutored too. Miriam looked at Ayan as she said it. Of course, most schools in Ulai are closed now anyway. As stunned as Ayan was, Matt looked as if school closing was a personal affront. Why? Since Tilly had first met her, Miriam had been quick to say whatever was on her mind. Now, she hesitated, looking at the table again. It's... 
The conflict. Your country is at war. Miriam stabbed the rest of her porridge with her spoon. Sort of. The provincial leaders are fighting. Uncle says it's all politics, but in some areas, it's probably safer to stay at home. Tilly was actually surprised to hear this. Despite growing up mired in politics, she'd heard little news from a lie. The king must have spent a lot of resources keeping the knowledge secret from other countries. How long has it been going on? All my life. After a moment of silence, Ion turned to Key and Matt. What about you two? You travel all year, right? So how do you go to school? Most of the time we get taught by family, but it depends on where you are. Uh, Zai has pretty strict laws about what qualifies as proper schooling. And Virarona has schools now that are meant for Tisaju kids, or anyone who's not going to be there long. But I bet those schools are different than most. Tilly imagined Sam warning her not to, but she couldn't hold back the question any longer. When did you start learning Shufbo? Matt's head jerked up at the question, and he looked around the table as if he didn't know who Tilly was talking to. But Ion had already mentioned how she had learned Shukbo under the watchful eye of the Antaran princess, and Miriam was clearly a native speaker. Tilly could have let the issue drop there, but she didn't. She pointed to Matt. Yeah, you. When did you start learning Shukbo? He practically snorted. <laughs> when he was nine. Really? Well, Matt's wanted to go to Faraday ever since... She paused. Ever since he found out it existed, I guess. But I didn't practice a lot. Miriam scrunched up her face as if her orange juice was actually lemon juice. Tilly tried to compare this with what she knew about the Saju trade routes. So you didn't learn it when you were traveling through Atlantia? Or Zeke? This time, Key didn't have to wait for Matt's unsure look to jump in. I did, but Matt didn't go out as much as me. He mostly stayed in the trailer with Dad. Tisaju gentles. You're lying. Miriam sat rigid in her chair, as if trying to best Ion for height. She gave Ki a stare as intense as the barrel of a gun, as if to say she could spot a lie at twenty paces, which, Tilly supposed, she probably could. Ki herself looked like a rabbit trapped in Miriam's gaze. Matt broke the silence. I'm adopted. The words were quiet clear. He did not stumble over them, nor the words that followed. My parents were friends with Keys, so they took me in when my family died, but I haven't traveled as much as she has. As the table fell silent once again, Tilly could hear Catalina's voice telling her that knowing more languages didn't give her the right to say whatever came to mind. You have a knack for digging out the worst parts of people's lives, don't you? She would say. At this rate, the whole school will hate you by the end of the month. Tilly put a hand to her necklace and wondered if she had been so reckless with her questions in her past lives. Then she downed the rest of her breakfast and stood up. I had better get going. I have wind casting this morning and I don't want to miss it. Miriam cocked her head at Tilly, as if confused that she was leaving so early. Though Ion nodded as if it made perfect sense. To her horror, Matt hefted himself up with his crutch announcing he had the same class. Really? Tilly pulled her crumpled schedule out of the pocket of her denims and looked at it again, as if she could magically make it change. But from what she had heard, she would need Matt's ability for that. I thought you manipulated luck. And you said you were here to study language. 
Was it her imagination, or was he smirking at her? Yeah, but I'm half sprite, so I do wind magic too. I thought that was obvious. She felt a trickle of sweat roll down her body underneath her shirt. Matt shrugged and maneuvered around Key's chair. And we're all here to learn how to use magic in new ways. Tilly looked at Miriam, half hoping she would call him out on another lie. But Matt hadn't actually said anything that they didn't already know. There was no way of getting rid of him. And Tilly didn't actually know what upset her more. That she had failed to back out of the conversation? Or that Matt was already good enough to study something other than his natural gift? She gave up. Alright, let's go. They put up their food trays and headed to the main building. Mrs. Thielman's class was in room 301B, so they took the stairs to the third floor, but soon were wandering in circles, unable to locate the mysterious room on the bright side. Now that they had a common problem, Tilly didn't have to worry as much about having made a fool of herself at breakfast. The hallway had filled with students and emptied out again. They caught one of the upperclassmen and asked, but he shook his head. I don't do weather magic, but I think it's over by the balcony, right? So now they stood in front of the door to the balcony picnic area. Tilly took off her glasses and polished them on her shirt, as if their only problem in finding the room was smudged lenses. Okay, there's room 301, so it would make sense that 301B would be nearby. Matt looked down at his schedule again. But why is there room 301 at all? Shouldn't there be, like, a 301A and a 301B? It's not logical. Right. Logically, it would make sense for 301B to be... there. She pointed to the next door down, but it wasn't 301B. It was 302, and they already knew that. Matt examined the strange, sideways staircase shape of the hallway. Could it be invisible? Or... Hidden? The strange jut in the wall could easily be the size of a room. We have to find it. He slowed down as he said it, perhaps unsure of his own words. Great. A test on our first day. But Tilly wouldn't have put it past Faraday to do something like that. Maybe you could use your luck to help us find it? Matt twisted his hands around his crutch. I don't know if I'm allowed to do that kind of thing outside of class. As she considered their predicament, they heard a door open, and Tilly wondered if Matt had used his luck anyway. That was until she realized the person had come from the balcony. Tilly recognized Antony, one of the student heads of Victoria House. He stopped just inside the door. Are you guys looking for Mrs. Thielman's windcasting class? Yes. Tilly almost leapt at him when he asked the question. It's this way. Antony indicated the balcony with his head. On the balcony? Tilly asked. She looked at her schedule again, though she had consulted it so many times in the last ten minutes she had committed it to memory. The building has a few classrooms with doors to the outside. They're ideal for studies of weather. Did you not wonder why the hallway was such a weird shape? As Antony led them to the room, Matt proved once again that he was clearly smarter than Tilly. Oh, the B is for balcony. The rooms out here are across the ones inside, so they all have the same numbers. He pointed to the open door of 301B. Unfortunately, Matt's sudden insight had interrupted the class. As they entered the room from the balcony, Tilly noticed a group of nine students seated in the desks and a small elderly woman at the front of the room. She turned sharp eyes and pursed lips on them. The expression reminded Tilly of her grandmother when she had caught people poaching in the Tayand forest. Very astute, Mr... Truid. Matt practically squeaked. Tilly thought she saw him flinch, 
Truitt. Mrs. Thielman said the name as if she had already made up her mind about him, and though she stood several inches shorter than Matt, he looked like he was trying to shrink down until she could no longer see him. Anger flooded through Tilly. Matt may have been infuriatingly intelligent, but he clearly couldn't defend himself, which wasn't fair. Really? She snapped at Mrs. Thielman. And you're going to condescend him because the people at the school were too lazy to make it clear on the schedules where the classes were? It's our first day. We're supposed to just have the whole school memorized already? Put up a freaking sign. Matt snapped his head toward Tilly. His eyes were wide, and he looked ready to bolt, maybe all the way back to the southern continent. Interesting opinion, Miss... Toadette, Tilly drew herself up to her full five-foot-ten-inch height. She could feel a slight breeze whipping through her bright red hair. today, Toretze. Miss Toretze. Mrs. Thielman said her name the same way she had said Matt's. It's an interesting opinion, aside from the fact that your classmates all seem to have found their way on time. Tilly scanned the classroom again, not about to give up on the battle. She knew she shouldn't be fighting with the teacher, but she also knew that Mrs. Thielman was a bully. Of the other nine students aside from her and Matt, four of them were freshmen. The other five had the ties and jackets that marked them as belonging to houses. Tilly put her hands on her hips. I see your point, Miss Thielman, but respectfully disagree. Tilly was aware that she didn't sound in any way respectful, but she didn't really care. She was good enough at manipulating wind that she could have stolen Mrs. Thielman's breath from her, so she felt that letting the woman speak was restraint enough. The other students were tittering. Two students in purple ties seemed particularly entertained by the argument, but Tilly didn't let up. When one-third of your first-year students get lost, I think there's a sign that there's a problem with the faculty itself. Now, if you're done blaming us for the faults of the school, I was hoping I might actually learn something today. She glanced behind her at Matt, who still looked ready to run, so she grabbed his hand and pulled him along behind her, stomping her way to the nearest two desks. Even as she took her seat, she half expected Mrs. Thielman to turn her out, and if she hadn't been fuming, she might have cared. But to her surprise, Mrs. Thielman only said, your comments will be taken under consideration, Miss Toretze. Then she turned to direct the class as a whole. The upperclassmen seemed barely to have noticed that Mrs. Thielman had failed to punish Tilly, though the freshmen in front of her and Matt exchanged glances and whispered. Mrs. Thielman did look in their direction and added, When nearly half of my class is distracted by the interruptions of one student, Miss Toretze, I think there is a problem with the student. Tilly knew she was supposed to shrink like Matt had, but she was still too angry. Matt, on the other hand, who had been attending to every word with a slight tremor, tapped his crutch against the chair of the girl in front of him, and she snapped to attention. Thank you, Mrs. Thielman said, and that was the end of the matter. You have been listening to Natural Magic, written and narrated by Molly Sroges. The role of Tilly was played by Indy Jones. Matt and Key were played by Casey Kirkpatrick and C.J. Branovic. Brittany Nunez lent her voice to the role of Ion, and Stephanie of the Drift played Miriam. Music and sound effects from Pixabay. To learn more about our artists or to read this book online, find The Stitch Witch's Apprentice on Tumblr, or follow the links in the show notes. <laughs>